Hey guys, thank you very much for downloading this. It is episode 40 of the Milking It podcast. Um, it's another sort of clip show, really, uh, but it's our top threes. Yes, indeed. Our top threes of 2014. The things that we enjoyed the most. Uh, so you can find out what myself, what Jay, what Boo and Dino really enjoyed about last year's geeky goodness. Um, coming up at the end of the show, there is a very, very special announcement about the shows that are coming up. The next two, in fact, that revolve around the Royal Rumble. We have a very special guest that I will announce right at the end of the show so uh, you can either skip forwards and uh, find out now and then come back and listen to the show or enjoy the aural pleasure that we are delivering uh, and then I'll uh, I'll join you at the end of it and uh, let you know exactly what's going on spoiler if you've been on our Facebook you'll already know because we've been tweeting and Facebooking our little socks off because uh, we're very excited so uh, yes that announcement coming up very soon uh, so there's nothing really left for me to say other than start the show I've got the Welcome everyone to the Milking It podcast, the podcast that tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. I'm David Davis and I'm on my own again. Yes, uh, sadly, uh, Boo is not with me this time, but there is a reason for it, which I shall explain. Uh, This is episode 40. Can you imagine we made it to episode 40? And uh, as you will have heard last time, we did the Geek News in episode 39, because this one is going to be our best of 2014. Not as in the best bits of the podcast, as in the best things that we enjoyed uh, from the geeky goings on that we uh, probably uh, talked about ad nauseum um, on the Milking It podcast. But uh, they will be talking about one more time as we reflect on the best stuff from last year. Um, Luckily, I, I don't know whether you can hear that, I have a purring cat climbing all over me as I'm trying to record this, so if I uh, sound like a little distracted, it's because I'm trying to make sure she doesn't knock my beer over. Um, yes, so basically the idea was we'd do our top threes. Uh, so I've done mine. Uh, Jay Hodgkin, the guy who does the drop-ins, a very funny guy, uh, he has done his, he sent them through, and I'm going to play them uh, with mine in a second. Um, I'm going to then hand over to the Totally Insane Tape Show podcast, and there's a reason for that. Somebody didn't do their homework! Looking at you, Dino. Uh, yes, so they'll explain as to why Dino didn't do his top threes, and uh, Boo will also chime in with some of the things that he found enjoyable from the last year. Uh, they have a bit of a, a rambling one. It's from their latest episode, if you haven't caught it already. Ready. Um, but uh, yes, and then uh, I will return and uh, say goodbye. And then I believe I've already said this. It's a weird sort of quantum leap paradox moment in the intro. Uh, is a very special announcement about the next two shows we're doing. So uh, we look forward to that. So yes, it's the best of 2014. 2014 seems a million years ago, doesn't it, kids? Because well, it's not. It's it was about 20 days or so uh, by the time this goes up. But uh, yeah, 2014 was a massive year for us. It was a big year for geek news. We we reported everything we possibly could, and uh, we well we <laughs> we didn't manage to maintain a weekly schedule, but we certainly delivered a hell of a lot of podcasts. We went to Nottingham Comic Con. You would have heard us do that. We 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 grew in leaps and bounds. I think the the quality of the podcast got better. Uh, I think the production, as I learnt more and more things, I you know. I 
I flatter myself that we we got better on that side of things as well. Um, obviously, the totally insane tape show grew and grew, and they're getting some a really big listenership now, uh, as are we. And thank you very much for supporting us. Um, there are new people joining us. There will be some new podcasts coming up soon. It's not normally like this is a very different kind of milking it podcast because uh, this is our review show. We return to normal in a couple of shows time, but more of that a little later on. So let's crack on with the best bits of 2014. And the only thing I can say is uh, over to you, Jay, to discuss the first topic. Which one would you like to do, sir? 2014, eh? Destined to be the year before the big one in 2015. Yes, 2015 sees the return of... Sean the Sheep. Uh, 2015 sees the return of Star Wars, the Mac Daddy of them all. Not only that, we've got the second instalment of the Avengers to look forward to, too. Mmm, tasty stuff. But what's 2014 got to say for itself? Well, Transformers crushed all before them at the box office with yet another wretched entry into the exploding, indiscernible cutlery franchise that featured no ambition and loads of that reverberating inception noise bullshit that we're all well and truly sick of by now. So, 2014's a write-off, is it? Au contraire, X-Men gave us the much-needed franchise reset that we needed with the best entry so far with the Days of Future Past. Captain America 2 changed the Marvel Cinema Universe format on its head with an entry that resembled a spy drama and also had the incredible effect of improving a separate TV show immeasurably as a result with the events in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. My top three movies of the year, though, are these. So look at me through the power of your ears, somehow. Lego Movie. Tag team directors Chris Miller and Phil Lord are alchemists. They turn actual shit into 24 karat gold. Look at the evidence. Present with an outline of remaking a Johnny Depp teen detective show from the 80s nobody cared about into a major Hollywood film, they came up with 21 Jump Street, which ended up being genuinely hilarious and entertaining. A CGI film called Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs somehow turned out to be the best non-Pixar film of the, film of the genre. And in 2014, they made the Lego Movie. A movie based on small, overpriced plastic blocks designed to cripple the feet of parents. And Hog Dam is brilliant. The plot of the Lego movie actually subverts what modern Lego has become. That is, of course, they were given a set of instructions and have to make what's on the box and leave because the multiple intricate grey parts of the X-Wing fight are sure aren't going to make for an interesting house for Luke Skywalker to pot around in. Instead, it ruins the true joy of Lego, the creativity and the conceptual design that's in things like Minecraft go on to great success. It's constantly funny and at times surprisingly moving, and as a bonus, it actually features cinema's best ever Batman in a main role. Number two, Interstellar. Perhaps one of the least regarded of Chris Nolan's movies actually turns out to be my favourite. I'm such a bloody hipster. Sure, I have no idea what Nolan was thinking about with some of his audio level choices, and there's some tongue-lolling, out-of-place, power-of-love plot points. There is, however, a vastness and bleakness to the universe that very few other space-set movies have managed to grasp. The concepts of relativity and time make for some genuinely heart- and mind-breaking scenes. And some of the vistas of the alien worlds are just as stunning as we've come to accept from the man behind Inception. In my opinion, the best pure sci-fi film since Moon. Ooh. And number one, Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, 
So did you know that Disney Studios made Star Wars a year and a half ahead of schedule and it's on par with the original trilogy? Wow! Somehow, somehow, they made the Marvel comic that no one cared about that was seemingly made to give Avengers 3 big bad Thanos a backstory and something to run about in and featured a talking raccoon and a walking tree as two of its principal cast members into this year's best blockbuster movie. It's funny, it's a visual feast, it's gloriously acted, even by big bad Dave Batista as a metaphor-missing rage bastard called Drax. And it's also the best Marvel Cinematic Universe flick yet. Mmm. That is no small amount of praise. Oh, and it may also feature the most endlessly playable soundtrack in movie history with some truly choice cuts of 70s radio rock that fit with the space opera slash comedy perfectly. Truly the standout movie of 2014 for yours truly. Truly. I've said truly too much. That's the end of that then. Bye. Okay, so movies. Thank you very much, Jay, for your choices. Um, you'll see mine are pretty much uh, on the same sort of uh, same sort of wavelength. Do you know what? I've, I always like Jay's stuff because it, he always drops in those cool little sort of MIDI files of different things. Can we can we sort that out? Let me let me have a look. A, clickety click. Ooh, yes, that, that is better. Instantly, twelve percent funnier than I could be if I didn't have this music behind me. Now you know what his secret is, kids. Uh, these are my top three movies then, uh, as we crack on with the uh, best bits of 2014. Um, my number three choice is a bit of a strange one, I suppose, for uh, some people, <laughs> because it is Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, it's not really a geek movie, but it, I suppose it can be if you, if you want to take it that way. Uh, it's a very mainstream Walt Disney movie. Um, it is uh, the Emma Thompson, Tom Hanks uh, Disney movie that they did, uh, which is based around the, the, uh, the story of P.L. Travers, who, who wrote uh, Mary Poppins. Um, and it's about the adaptation of Mary Poppins by Disney and her hatred for what Walt Disney was going to do with it and everything else. Um, well worth watch. Honestly, if you haven't if you haven't had a chance to, to see it, I would thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, and Emma Thompson plays P.L. Travers as... Um, as she's been described as quite bitchy and uh, uh, very, very sort of stiff upper lip British, uh, very worried about what these Americans are going to do to her beloved character of Mary Poppins. Um, but yes, definitely check that out. It's Saving Mr. Banks, and here's a clip. Ladies and gentlemen, we are beginning our descent into Los Angeles. Welcome, Mrs. P.L. Travers, to the City of Angels. It smells like... Jasmine. Chlorine and sweat. <laughs> Introducing the creator of our beloved Mary. Poppins. Never ever just Mary. Now where is Mr. Disney? She's here. Well, Pamela Travers, you can't imagine how excited I am to finally meet you. Would you mind? My name is Mrs. Travers, Mr. Disney. Oh, Walt, now you gotta call me Walt. Saving Mr. Banks, my number three. Number two is Frank, a film that we've talked about many times here on the Milk Newt podcast. Uh, Michael Fassbender doing one of his greatest roles, even though you don't see his face throughout the whole thing. Loosely based on Frank Sidebottom, using that character because John Ronson, the guy who wrote the script, did do work with Frank Sidebottom. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Uh, I can't really say any more than we've already said here on the Milk Newt podcast. It is definitely my number two. It's Frank. I say tell everyone everything. Why cover anything up? Right? How to describe Frank? 
One, two, three, four. Well, there's the head, of course. He never takes it off. You think it's weird? Would it help if I said my facial expressions out loud? Welcoming smile. Delighted look. But what goes on inside the head inside that head? I find this inspiring. Is music. Something is pressing something is! Frank, people should know about you. You should be famous. Flattered grin. Followed by a bashful half smile. Stop saying your facial expressions out loud. It's extremely annoying. So yeah, Frank is my number two. Um, my number one could only be one film. Um, I, I toyed with putting the Lego movie in there. Um, I really loved the Lego movie. It's probably the film I've watched the most because I, I it was one of the few that I actually went out and bought as a physical copy. Uh, a, a wonderful film. However, uh, nothing can top for me the same that Jay said as his number one, Guardians of the Galaxy, my number one movie of the year. I, I would explain more, but I really can't say any more than Jay said he pretty much summed it up, didn't he? We arrested these five on Xandar. Check out the rap sheets. Drax, a.k.a. the Destroyer. Since his wife and family were killed, he's been on a rampage across the galaxy in his search for vengeance. Gamora, soldier, assassin, wanted on over a dozen counts of murder. Rocket, wanted on over 50 charges of vehicular theft and escape from lockup. What the hell? Groot. He's been traveling recently as Rocket's personal houseplant slash muscle. Peter Jason Quill. He's also known as Star-Lord. Who calls him that? Himself, mostly. He's wanted largely on charges of minor assault, public intoxication, and fraud. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. So that was movies. What about TV, I hear you asking? I, I don't hear you. I'm sat on my own in the room with a cat. Um, yeah, so my number three was uh, South Park. I would say that it was consistently funny across the year. There's some instant classic episodes. Um, it's one of those things that I went back to time and time again. And just, you know, you got a couple of minutes, you just end up watching it. It, it. it was absolutely brilliant. They've hit their stride once more. There was that barren period with South Park where it kind of lost its way a bit. And it was just like, yeah, well, they're churning them out week after week. But this year it was genuinely one of my favourite years of South Park. Uh, my number two is Marin. Um, I keep banging on about this. I'm sure my, my close friends will get really, really annoyed to me for mentioning this again. But um, there's a podcaster uh, and comedian, Mark Maron. He does uh, the WTF podcast. If you don't listen to it, please go and listen to it. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But he has uh, gone the sort of Louis C.K. Uh, route of doing his own sitcom. It's on US Netflix, both series that he's done so far. They're currently working on season three. It is an absolute gem of a sitcom. I have not laughed so long and so hard at anything. It's, it's kind of that realistic style. Um, I just can't stop watching it. It's absolutely perfect. He's a neurotic comedian. He appeals to me on so many levels. Um, I'm sure he will get mentioned when I do my top fives of the podcast you must listen to, which is coming up in a future show. But uh, yeah, so Marin, any way you can, please check it out. You'll absolutely adore it. It's one of the best sitcoms I've ever, ever seen. And of course, at number one, could it be anything else on TV this year? We banged on about it from the very moment they announced it on the Milking It podcast. It's Gotham. Really enjoyed it so far. I know Boo uh, has uh, kind of watched one episode and left it at that. I, I've 
consistently watched it. It's been really good. It's a slow burn. You know, it hasn't hot-shotted anything. They've introduced characters very, very gradually. The, the cast has been great, apart from obviously Fish Mooney, which we refuse here on the Milk Podcast to admit is a good character. Um, but yeah, so, so far so good. They've announced season two obviously is going to happen. I just hope they keep building on it. I'm really, really, really loving Gotham. So that was my top three. South Park, Marin, and Gotham for 2014. Uh, let's see what all three produce in 2015. Uh, Jay, yours. Now I like Game of Thrones, but it sure gets confusing. There's about 300 plots going on all at once and about a million characters and nearly all of them have beards. So it's just Mr. Cut for me. Also narrowly missing out is, yeah, I'm going to say it, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's pretty good these days, go back and watch it. Uh, Star Wars Rebels also got off to a rollicking start with an excellent pilot episode that instantly evoked memories of the classic trilogy. Zombie Kitchen Sinker in the flesh returned to BBC3, which I loved previously, but now smelled a little bit more rotten than the previous episodes. And Utopia came back and sadly didn't add much to the Peerless first series, save for a splendid flashback opener and a great performance from Ian McDiarmid, as in the Emperor from Star Wars. But no, I haven't seen Breaking Bad, so let's stop going on about it, please, now. Come on, that and Bloody Frozen, I'm fed up of hearing about them. Fuck off. Here then, my top three. Black Mirror Christmas Special. Any fool will tell you I don't like Christmas. It's chintzy, bloody decor, and it's bloody awful music, and it's bloody fun-by-numbers, mixed-message bollocks. God, I hate it. I do love It's a Wonderful Life, though, and so it's genuinely alarming that I love this. It's polar opposite, the Black Mirror Christmas special. Charlie Brooker has produced the best episode yet of his near-future technological dystopia fables. It features excellent performances from Raceball and the charismatic sleazeball John Hamm. It's a splendid three-part compendium of miserly tales. The fate of one of its protagonists sent genuine chills down my spine. Oh, I wish it could be Christmas every day. Ugh, yuck. How on earth Doctor Who fan Brooker hasn't yet written an episode of the Time Lords Adventures, I don't know. Stephen Moffat, sign him up. Number two, Orange is the New Black. When somebody informed me that I should watch this women's prison drama, my mind instantly thought of bad girls and how I could possibly punch them in the face without them being offended. Imagine my surprise when I powered through two series of it in less than a week. Fantastic flashbacks to the women's pre-prison life bookend episodes featuring well-developed characters played by American Pie alumni and Captain Janeway from out of that there Star Trek. Yeah, it works. It's weird. It's good, compulsive comedy drama. Desperate and charming in equal measure. Get your eyes on it, Pickle. Go on. Number one. Oh, it's The Walking Dead again. Now I know my co-hosts aren't fans. But this is a series that gets stronger as Rick Grimes gets ever hairy. Seriously, Andrew Lincoln looks disgusting in this. Over bath, mate. The days of pottering around on farmyards are now three series ago. And there's no more fanboy enraging depictions of favourites like Andrew and the Governor. Because they're spoilers, ruddy dead. Carol is truly grown into a role vacated by comic book Andrea as the badass former put-upon bully fodder. And Daryl Dixon remains a glowering presence as Grimes' right-hand man. Sure, there are issues with some of the characters not getting a lot of screen time, thus weakening any sense of loss we feel for them when they're bumped off. 
but it remains the only program I religiously watch as soon as it's shown in the States. Using uh, uh, eagle methods. But I, everyone on the Milky Podcasts do not support, although we all use it. Goodbye. Okay, so we're rattling through these, I realise, uh, at a steady pace. Uh, thank you, Jay, for your uh, TV moments of 2014. Next up is Games. That was the uh, thing we chose. Um, the honourable mention for me for Games is WWE 2K15. It's got a lot of flack on, uh, online and uh, uh, through various media uh, for not being very good. But I must say, I'm still playing it. I'm, I'm actually really enjoying playing it. It's, it. it's a good, fun game. They've stripped it down. Yes, they've removed stuff. But it, yeah, I genuinely think it's, it, it is good fun. Um, so my number three is uh, Lego Batman 3. Still playing it. The only thing wrong with it, as far as I'm concerned, is that HUD, that that HUD. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it does make it really difficult to move around. But I've, I've finally unlocked Adam West, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I've unlocked that achievement. Uh, it's just good fun. It, it, it's like any Lego game. You can play it and just the the minutiae characters they put in there are absolutely insane you know um there's captain boomerang and, and various people that we've mentioned on the milk podcast just the most obscure dc villains and heroes that you'll ever come across um well worth checking out especially now because i believe it, it has dropped in price considerably after christmas so lego batman 3 a really good story mode uh plus lots and lots of stuff to do outside of that and it's got kevin smith in it can you imagine kevin smith um my number two is Wolf Among Us. Again, we spoke about this at the time. It's that Telltale game uh, based on the Fables comic. Um, really good. I've heard they are going to do a second season. Absolutely can't wait to play that. Really good story. Really well done. The art style, everything else is very much like the Walking Dead game that uh, Telltale do, um, which I'm just starting season two. I'm, I'm late, to the, the, late to the party on that one, but it is really good. Uh, Wolf Among Us is my number two. Number one, um, I was I was really excited to see that on IGN, which is a site obviously we use a lot with the Milky Podcast. Uh, this game was voted uh, in two categories, I believe, uh, the, the best game of the year, um, and I absolutely one hundred percent agree with it. We waited so long for it to come; we thought it would fall apart when THQ went out of business, but thankfully, South Park Stick of Truth came out. And um, yes, it's a game that I played, clocked will never go back to again but the experience of playing south park stick of truth was wonderful it was exactly like playing a, an episode a very long episode of the cartoon just wonderful uh, in jokes a go-go and just a, a geek fest all round so south park stick of truth is my number one jay your game sir 2014 was far from a banner year for video games. It was a year of glitchy, bugged releases like Assassin's Creed Unity, faltering hype machines like Watch Dogs and Destiny, and mobile phone monstrosities like Dungeon Keeper and Flappy Bird. There were some bright points, mostly on the Wii U, but Hyrule Warriors, Bayonetta 2 and Mario Kart 8 are like trees falling in an abandoned forest. It's only great if someone's there to play them, aren't they? My personal highlights include Metroidvania Comeback Kid Strider, Pez 2015 finally wrestling the football gameplay crown back off FIFA, if not the sales one. Point and click strategy bleak em up this war of mine. 8-bit platform monkeying Shovel Knight. Rampant silliness in cephalopod form Octodad. And surprisingly the entertaining yet Tolkien fan baiting Shadows of Mordor. But here though are my top three. 
So listen up, spunky kid. Number three, Walking Dead Season 2. Telltale are a one-trick pony for sure, but that trick is a bloody good one. Wolf Amongst Us, Borderlands, Game of Thrones all appeared in 2014 and all did pretty much the same thing, but each presented itself in a different theme and story to play through. Because I'm such a zombie fanboy and love the adventures of Lee and Clem in 2012 and 13, I'm plumping for Season 2 of The Walking Dead. More tough decisions, more guilt, more brown, more grey, more death. This will mean nothing to anyone who hasn't played it. But I put hose before bros and betrayed a long-term friend and followed my penchant for hot girls with boys' hair, in case you're wondering how I ended it. This would be fine, but Walking Dead cast you as Clementine, a pre-teen girl. So in retrospect, and the more I think about it, the more effed up that is. What a weird reason to choose to kill someone. Number two, Monument Valley. Monument Valley was a glorious, albeit short, puzzling gem. You're tasked with steering a pointy-hatted princess around an Esker-inspired cityscape that bats around your perception like a vindictive cat and a one-winged blue tit. You do this by twisting the maze like a Rubik's Cube and by muttering, Ooh, that's clever, every 30 seconds. It's visually simple, yet beautiful. Uses sound design effectively and should be played by each and every one of you right this minute. Go on, sod off. Oh no, come back, I've got to do number one. Number one, which is, of course, The Last of Us Remastered, because I'm cheating, possibly. But I didn't get to play Last of Us in 2013. I'd only encountered it upon releasing there was nothing I wanted to play on my newly bought PS4, because no one's pulled their finger out of their ass and made anything good yet. So I bought this. I now see what the fuss is about. Uh, the core game itself is nothing too original, really, but the mechanics are exemplary. There's a sense of true staccato pacing that feels in tune with a ruined, desperate world like this. The graphics, particularly with the added grunt of the PS4 behind them, are unparalleled this side of a god-tier PC. But the real strength of Last of Us is through its character arcs, its voice acting, and its ambiguity. It's the example to show people who still view games as children's toys. It's got it, it's nailed it, and it's grown up. The media of video games is now on a par with movies, with TV, with books as a storytelling device. I can't give it higher praise than that. Okay, so that was games. Uh, we're now on to the final of the four. It's wrestling. So we'd like to talk about wrestling here on the Milking Podcast, you may well have noticed. Um, so th- my top three moments of wrestling in 2014. Um, I, I kind of toyed whether to go one of two ways with this. I was either going to go matches or I was going to go things that happened. So I'm going to go things that happened. Um, for me, uh, number three was WrestleMania 30. Obviously, the, it was the, a massive night of wrestling. I, I doubt now whether I could sit here and tell you the exact card. Uh, I know that the, the main event, I know the Undertaker Brock match. For me, it was, it was my number three because it was the first thing I watched on the network. I was watching it live and it's the first time I've watched a WrestleMania live for a long, long time. There was a lot of banter between myself and Boo and Dino and people online on Twitter and we were live tweeting bits and pieces and throwing gags at each other throughout the night and it was just four solid hours of being a wrestling fan which it sounds very sad and nerdy and it was and I absolutely loved it. That main event could not have been better. The opening match between Brian and Triple H was unbelievable undertaker brock yeah the ending was good but the whole match itself was pretty poor but that starting that that first vignette they did with hogan rock and austin in the ring 
was just perfect. And I know Hogan's one of those guys that you have to kind of take with a pinch of salt when he says stuff, but it was an interview recently with Chris Jericho on Chris Jericho's podcast where Hogan said he had no idea they were going to bring The Rock and Austin out during that interview segment. I find that hard to believe. I want to believe it because I like the idea that they're just in the round with Hogan. But that moment where Austin's music hits, that glass breaks, Hogan's in the ring, it's WrestleMania 30 in a massive, massive Superdome. (laughs) Not the Silverdome, kids. Um, But no, really good. Absolutely recommend it. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, check it out. My number two is documentaries as a quote-unquote title. Um, the, The best documentary that came out this year was the Paul Heyman documentary. I again it's very unusual for me to own a physical product nowadays I did buy the Paul Heyman documentary I also bought the Randy Savage documentary WWE I I don't know who does it I I wish I had a name I I should have researched this but whoever is is in charge of editing and putting together their documentaries on particular superstars is doing an amazing job absolutely amazing job the Paul Heyman doc is wonderful the extras are absolutely insane the Randy Savage doc is absolutely perfect and you can only think is part of the deal that has now resulted in Randy Savage going into the Hall of Fame which was announced this week um, if you get a chance just have a little delve in and you can do via my number one so my number one wrestling thing that happened in 2014 was the launch of the WWE Network again something we banged on about time and time again here on the Milking It podcast but it, it has been a massive thing for me. I, I signed up when it launched in the States via nefarious means. Um, I have watched it so much. Be it episodes of Nitro, be it the documentaries that they put on there, such as the Paul Heyman one Randy Savage went on yesterday, be it pay-per-views that I attended, be it, you know, it, it's just wonderful. I've really, really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people have knocked it because it doesn't have a lot of old school stuff on there, but it's got enough old school stuff on there. You know, there's loads of ECW, there's loads of WCW, there's loads of WWF. It's just, for me personally, I have never had streaming problems with it. And now it's launched in the UK as of last week, or mm, officially as of next week. But now it's launched in the UK as of the 19th of January. I can now get it on my iPhone so I can sit in bed and I can just watch away. It's absolutely perfect. For me, my 9.99 or as it works out about 6.75, um every month I will gladly pay. The WWE Network is my highlight of wrestling for 2014. Jay, what are yours, sir? I make no excuses for this. I didn't watch a lot of Grappling Grown in 2014. Not the kind we're supposed to be talking about here. Those wrists aren't going to look deformed by themselves. What I did sample, though, I suckled directly from the teat of Mr. McMahon. So expect a WWE-centric list. CM Punk wouldn't approve, would he? WWE relied on shock value this year, but not the Attitude-era kind of puppies and blood spilling. No, we had The Undertaker lose his streak, and Cena look weak and vulnerable in his SummerSlam bout. The trouble with that being, of course, that Brock Lesnar is behind both of those, and, well, he's barely on TV now, and it seems like he's on his way out next year, or at some point this year. (sighs) Well, at least we had the Daniel Bryan movement reaching its logical conclusion of WrestleMania glory, even if it meant the WWE had to hurriedly change its plans accordingly. So here, then, are my top three matches. 
Number three, Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville at Next Takeover Revolution. Ah, next, collecting up all the amazing indie talents like Pokemon and giving them one last chance to show off how good they are before WWE train all the individuality and fun out of them and release them into the wilds of its main program to run around its lower mid-card losing. Make the most of them while they're here. This match had it all. Proper build, broken friendships, two amazing athletes at the top of their games doing what they do best, finishing a feud effectively. It was like a hark back to a more innocent time. Still, no time for that wishy-washy wrestling stuff. Now get to the gym, boys. You need to look great for your nine-match losing streak on Raw to the Miz. Two. Team Cena versus Team Authority Survivor Series match. An otherwise dull card was saved by this, which on paper looked pretty ropey. I mean, Cena was bound to lose all his teammates and rise above and all that, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Well, no. Dolph Ziggler did. What? Yes, Dolphy Boy stole the show like a latter-day Shawn Michaels and finally got his just reward for being a floppy mid-card punch bag for five odd years. Incredible storytelling reminded us of a time when Survivor Series matches meant something. And of course, it had that sting appearance at the end. So, well, they've done absolutely nothing with since, but I say I'll be back for WrestleMania. Number one, the Wyatts versus the Shield Elimination Chamber. The future collides early. If you're going to have three men stables like the Wyatts, the Shield, and Evolution, it seems a bit silly to keep them all heels and using them in singles and tag team matches. So WWE made a great decision by turning the incredibly over troublemakers, the Shield, semi-face, and them face the other two. Great, great decision. The Evolution matches were pretty good, but the next-gen era Wyatt's Shield matches were off the charts. Chaos, epoch-making stuff. Both teams have since split, although I'm not quite sure why and how the Wyatt's did, but that's by the by now. With the possible exception of Eric Rowan, these will be the guys you'll be watching on wrestling programme for many years to come. Roman Reigns' inevitable push to the top may come too soon for some, but he certainly got the look to appear good on calendars, children's jumpers and fruity pebble boxes. Luke Harper is impressively agile for his size and has already captured Intercontinental Gold. Bray Wyatt may end up being the Undertaker's understudy as the creepy, cultish, otherworldly WWE heel figure of choice when the dead man retires. Dean Ambrose is certainly this generation's Brian Pillman, and if the WWE got behind him, he could be this generation's Steve Austin. And finally, Seth Rollins has been inarguably WWE's best performer in the latter half of this year, becoming the company's top full-time heel. There's a lot to dislike about the WWE these days, with talents like these, and of course the boys and girls in Next. Tomorrow looks a lot brighter. Okay, so that was uh, myself and Jay's top threes across those four particular topics. Uh, I hope you enjoyed them. Um, I'm now going to hand over to uh, the latest episode of the Totally Insane Tape Show. (laughs) Yeah, it spells tits. It's the Tits Podcast. Uh, It stars Dino Peppers, the guy who does our artwork, and Boo Lamont, the guy who I'm normally chit-chatting with every week here on the Milking It Podcast. Um, So there's a reason why we're not all together doing this. They're going to explain why. But first, we're going to have some adverts, then I'll return for a massive announcement! Yeah. Hello, Milksters. Your old pal and friend of the show, Mossman here, off of 80's classic cartoon, Masters of the Universe. 
as you can imagine, I've had a lot of time on my hands since that cartoon finished, and I've been aching to hear some quality, geeky podcast that rounds up all the news in a nice, tight package. Only thing is, we don't have iPhones. Oh, not after old King Randor fell out with Steve Jobs back in 92. Well, imagine my delight that now the Milk and Git podcast is available on Stitcher for Android users like myself. Stitcher.com has all the information. Oh, I can't wait to tell Fisto. He'll be well made up. Dude, I think we did it. How do you talk me into this again? Beats me. Hey, everyone. This is CJ. And BK. Your two new best friends. Bringing into another podcast you're probably enjoying. Dude, this will just take a second. Let's pitch this bitch. If you enjoy drunken tangents, sick-ass nerd references, annoying sound bites that won't go away, and of course, friendship, we invite you to check out The, the Friendship, friendship Podcast. Podcast. Available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And our website, thefriendshippodcast.com. All right, can you go now? Yeah, yeah, just one more thing. At the planet! Oh, bloody hell, come on, boo. Supposed to be recording like a half hour ago. I'm stood around like some sort of fucking lemon waiting for him. I've got my notes I've actually prepared this week. I'm not having to rely on him. Let's have a look out the window. Is it around? I can see there's no one. Oh, here he is. Oh, hang on. Yep, here he is. Coming up the stairs. Do, 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 do. Oh, ho, 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 Booley! Where did you get that yes. T-shirt, you... You sexy pig! I've never found you so attractive! Dave, I've never felt more attractive than while wearing this t-shirt. It says, Got Milking It? That's right, Milking It merch is now available. You can have Boulamont and Dave Davis across your chest 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and it's all available via a link on the milkingitpodcast.com. Milkingitpodcast.com, I also hear they sell mugs so I can have your hot liquid tipped into my mouth! Whenever you want. <laughs> Stand aside, boo. Let me need that keyboard. I'm going to do some shopping. Join Josh Armour and Todd Eastman every Friday for Wrestle Radio Australia. Covering WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor and Australian Pro Wrestling. Exclusive interviews including Buddy Murphy, Adam Pearce, TV legend Rose McManus and many others. Download for free on iTunes or Stitcher and stream us on the TuneIn Radio app. It's Australia's wrestling broadcast. It's Wrestle Radio Australia. An ancient evil that feeds on the sick and demented, which once haunted videos that were rented, are back. Turn the blood to ice of all of those who own a personal digital device. On VHS, DVD and Blu-ray too. In your pants, it may make you do a cool. Therefore celebrate and rejoice Peppers and Lamont as they tell tales of films you should and should not the Totally Insane Tape Show is something you should not fear. Listen to it with some food snacks and a beer. To find it, go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. No excuses to these sites. You must go. 
and to find out whence the evil comes from? Go online and look at totallyinsanetapeshow.com Yeah, I'm going to have to apologise about the is it milking it year end review you apparently do with Dave. I know we've been asking. See, to... Mr. Jay Hodgkin of the Milking It podcast, he is, if anything, the most professional guy in our crew <laughs> because he gets that shit done really well and really quickly. And then there's me, Mr. I've written down words on a bit of paper. <laughs> and there's me who I don't live in this timeline, really. <laughs> because it's, it is a review of the year. Top, I think it was top five originally, now it's top three. Top three, yeah. Oh, is it movies, TV, games, wrestling? See, Dean, the thing you're looking into, you know, the magic picture frame with the moving images. Does it scare you? Yeah. Does, uh, I know you're not, you're not used to this crazy technology, but um, am I to understand that you can't actually do the list? Not even three. I, not on any of those uh, subjects for last year. Cause I know it has to be from last year. And I've, I watch a lot of movies and I can name three from last year. It's like, are they the three best films? No, they're just the only three I've watched from last year. <laughs> You've watched three films which are actually released in the year 2014, is what you're saying. Yeah, I watched a film the other day, uh, Good Vibrations. It's an amazing film. Get a chance to check it out, you, you should. Um, and I was going to put that down, because I bought it early this year. I moved house, and it was kind of halfway between moving house, uh, maybe oof, April, May. Well, it's consu- moving has consumed your year. Yeah, and I thought that was like April, May, yeah, that's this year. I was shaking it, it's like, oh, it's 2012. <laughs> right. So, this year I've watched Babadook, which was amazing, Gardens of the Galaxy, which was amazing, and Lego Movie, which was really good. I can't call them the three best films of the year, because I've not watched anything else from this year. Here are my three films of the year, <laughs> as in not of the year, just of the year 2014. It's the ones I've watched. Everything else I've watched has been... Stuff you've sent me or stuff that I've seen through things and been like 1980s, 1970s. That's because all the best films were from the 1970s and the 1980s. <laughs> and to a degree, early 90s, like, you know, well. <laughs> I mean, I've got a load of DVDs for, DVDs and Blu-rays for my birthday, Christmas, and they're all from like the 80s. There's nothing. <laughs> There's not one from the last couple of years. Nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. They're really good. It's just the fact that I can't do three films from last year. I mean to actually because it's like Interstellar I want to see. Uh, I've actually, well, hold Birdman. on I've, well, I've seen Interstellar, maybe I can do a little list. I wouldn't say it was the yeah. best film I've ever seen but like I enjoy it. If, if it's one of the three you've seen of the year, can you call it the best film? No, but you've got the, you, you know it's of the year, you don't have to You don't have to say it's the best of the What's your top three, what, what are your three movies of the year? My problem is, I don't watch TV I don't watch, um TV as in, I pick and choose. I mean, at the moment, I'm going through um, The Outer Limits, the TV series from the, you know, from the uh, late 
was it 95 to 2002 so not even near 2014 the only stuff i've seen is the stuff i've reviewed for the milk in it podcast and it's like gotham i watched an episode i quite enjoyed the first episode i haven't seen any of the others <laughs> i don't know why i'm just it doesn't uh, the yeah, only, i mean the, the the stuff i discovered this year was stuff like 30 rock which finished last year um, as in, no, yeah. sorry, not last year. God, with 2015, I finished like 2013. Um, God, not a lot else. <laughs> the only yeah, programs I even watched like, that are released at the time, sadly, this shows my mentality. It's all cartoons. It's like a Brickleberry, Family Guy, American Dad. <laughs> I can love Brickleberry. <laughs> this week comes. I, I watch Agents of Shield. Bojack? Is... We watched Bojack. Yeah, that's it. Does Bojack that's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. It's like, I've watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is okay. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't start, case, but... I didn't really start this. Oh, well, I suppose it doesn't have to have started in 20. Yeah, it was It's just got to be in it. But that's it. So I've watched that, and then on actual TV, I've watched nothing on the actual TV. Uh, Bojack Horseman, Netflix, which I don't know if that counts as TV. But that was out this year. That's, that was an amazing show. Sorry, just to, just to sidetrack. Did you hear the? the I think it's a rumor, or it might be news that um, Netflix are tr- uh, clamping down on uh, VPN or whatever they call it. I use ho- I use Holler, um, but they're clamping down yeah. on people using Netflix from the country that isn't the one they're in. Um, like basically, I cancelled my Netflix anyway because I realised I'd stop watching everything I wanted to see. I've seen now. It's up there at the moment. Yeah. I mean, that's what and, um, I checked it last the rest night. Of it I heard that American. It's like I, I watch Saturday Night Live and Thirty Rock and everything on the on the American one because the American yeah. one has so much choice. I, I want more bang for my buck. Yeah, I watched Thirty Rock in the year. Saw that within three months, completely finished the whole show. Yeah, I did. I did um, Thirty Rock in a week. Yeah, I looked at the thing last night because it sounded like they're cutting down on that. I thought, okay, I'll check what I've you watched. Um, the last things I watched was. End of November, Bojack Horseman finished that series up, and then I watched the Christmas special. <laughs> I was going to say, did, did you not see the? So you're, so you're, you're basically saying you're a Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> I've essentially I cancelled the uh, thing last night because it's like I haven't used it in a month. There's no point having it anymore. Um, anything I want to watch isn't available on it. So yeah, there's other means of going about watching that stuff. But then even then, it's like I'm not watching a ton of TV anymore. It's like I've got a ton of DVDs and Blu-rays to get through. Now I've got the facilities to actually watch them. I'm doing that. So TV of the year, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which it happened. I'm not sure it's the best thing of the year. BoJack Horseman and I don't even know Bob's Burgers counts as this year. But even that's... Bob's Burgers has had a new series this year. My problem is the Venture Brothers wasn't on at all this year because the new series is next year. And... uh... That will always be my top TV show of all time. So like, there you go, my my top my top TV of 2015, <laughs> 2015 is uh, the Venture Brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to move on to games. Okay, me and games. Yes, let's move on to video games, which is something. <laughs> this is <clears throat> I keep up. I love video games. That's my you know one of my main hobbies, and I like to keep ahead. A and I do like to get the new releases when they're nice and cheap, and I trade in. So for me, that's easy. You, the latest game you've played is probably Crazy Taxi. <laughs> Play Floppy Bird. Floppy Bird. <laughs> Floppy Bird. I it's like game of the year Bird, because but it's not just... made by Dong. Floppy, Floppy. Yeah. That's the guy's name. That's... Made it, Dong. 
<laughs> Floppy Dong. Floppy Dong. Okay. Yeah, that's the only game I've played that was made this year, I think. It's quite sad to say, is that I actually enjoy playing that game, it is just so simple. So yeah, games is completely out for me. So movies, I've watched three of them. TV, I've watched three of them. Two and a half. Games, no. And that leaves, was it wrestling was the last one? Yes. Gonna be hard, isn't it? I can't even do that. I can name about one, what was, there was two matches I enjoyed this year. There was the opener and the main event of the Survivor Series. Everything in between was shit. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I honestly can't think of anything that I enjoyed. I think anything that's happened, you look at in hindsight and you see what happened afterwards, so it's not that good anymore. Yeah. When the whole Survivor Series thing was Dolph Ziggler winning, spoilers. And then a couple of weeks later, the whole thing's been reversed anyway. The whole thing was the authority gets out of power if they win, so he went for his torturous main event. It was really good to watch. Great storytelling. And then a couple of weeks later, it didn't count for anything. Nothing happened in that show, really. Because they just brought the authority back anyway. So, fuck that. Really, the only thing that happened this year was... Uh, Daniel Bryan winning the Mania. Because I enjoyed WrestleMania. I, d- I can't actually remember any matches from it apart from him. You don't remember Brock Lesnar beating The Undertaker? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that was the greatest match because Taker was knocked out silly halfway through. I mean, this is really something we need to discuss in a moment in a podcast, but I will tell, I probably told the story in a podcast before, but I was watching, watching, um, watching WrestleMania with the Amazon, Aisha Ray, uh, or the, or the artist formerly known as Amazon. Hang on a sec. Uh? uh? Just watch out for that name you just dropped. Sorry, pick that up for me, would you? And then um, she'd fallen asleep uh, on, on her chair, and I was sitting in, kind of across from her, the TV in the middle, and um, she'd just slumped and fallen asleep. <laughs> and when the referee's hand came down for the three, talk about a knee-jerk reaction. My knee straightened out in shock, kicked her. She went, what? I went, my God, they actually did it. <laughs> I actually kicked her. I didn't mean to. But I went, what, what, what? Like, you know, my leg spun out and kicked her. She was not best pleased. Uh... <laughs> okay, there's two things then, okay. Uh, but even then, I, I wouldn't have remembered it if you didn't tell me. I've been so disconnected from wrestling this year in terms of the actual product. So yeah, apart from WrestleMania, I've watched uh, NXT, the the uh, Arrival pay-per-view, was it? Uh, they did the, the one with debut Charlotte versus on... Bailey. Uh, no, that was, I think that was a new one. I can't even keep track of the names, they're, they're very similar, but they had the, their debut pay-per-view as the first live event on the network. And the whole NXT movement is actually pretty good in terms of the show. Oh, was the main it's, event the three-way? It was, uh, Aaron Neville, Sami Zayn, and then the guy whose name I can't remember who looks at himself in the- Aaron Neville? What did I say? Aaron Neville. Did you not? Adrian Neville. Aaron Neville. I don't... No, I can't. Shut up. <laughs> right, all right. Here we go. 
El Generico versus Pac versus some guy they <laughs> dug up from the Indies. <laughs> Stop! No, uh, that was um, yeah, it's a good watch. It's it, different. Uh, obviously, they're training people up to be on the main event roster, so it's it's a high turnover on the, their actual. Basically, TV they're, they're getting the best training in the world, and and it shows. Yeah. that that's that's all I got to say about NXT. Yeah, it's just um. There's a high turnover on the show. All the characters are new. So you're watching it, it's like a completely different show. It's much like ECW was in the mid-90s or later 90s. Where everyone's like raving over it. It's amazing. Then they'll go ECW would have ended be... up being like had ECW stayed the course and still been open today. I think. Yeah. And I even said that said something to that effect when uh, they had the WWE Network ECW... Unleashed or whatever it was, the little two-parter show, which was fantastic, with Joey Styles and Paul Heyman, where they revealed that um, they would have had... They tried to get Kabashi versus Miss Sauer as the main of uh, Heat Wave 96. 96. And they, they said that had the... Comp- Heyman said if the company was still going, they would have had people like AJ Styles, some other Joe, Low-Key. Low-Key used to turn up at ECW events trying to get work. I mean, that's... You know, but you've got to remember, only closed in 2001, so... Yeah. A lot of people who were active, that were active on the indies, we're talking Chris Daniels, Loki, Samoa Joe, people like that, Daniel Bryan, or AK Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, whatever. I, I was American Dragon, American Dragon, in the mask. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I forget. Sorry, just just a quick story. I just I forget. Um, I have seen American Dragon live. Uh, sorry, Brian, uh, whatever they call him in WWE, but and he Daniel Bryan, and he completely refused to take the mask off. People were chanting, people were shouting him, going, we know what you look like, take the mask off. And he kept on doing the gimmick where he was going to take the mask off, then didn't. Now, that's a worker. <laughs> yeah. Take the mask no, off. That's how I view NXT at the moment. Is It's like an ECW thing where they, they're doing stuff which you don't see on normal TV, so it's really good and uh, exciting to watch. Then they'll be pulled up to the main roster and they'll be sort of watered down slightly because you can't keep up that pace on the main ro- roster. You watch their shows and it's like how they can't do that every night. They'll be pulled up and they'll be sort of told to scale it back, you know, slow it down, make the crowd see and feel, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's good to watch as it is at the moment. I mean, the ECW show they had a couple of years back. Um, like stand. WWE, ECW. No, when they actually took over the brand and put it on. <laughs> like, um... <laughs> Sorry, that's my answer to the revive. What, the one where Vince was champion and you all made Bobby Lashley? Yeah, but there was a period where that show was actually quite enjoyable because they were letting people do what they wanted a little bit more and it was kind of contained. Whatever happened I mean, to Ezekiel Jackson, that Rick guy Ford. was the last ECW champion. I'm just kidding, Rhino. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is, that is a quite a sad thing to say. Like Ezekiel Jackson, last ECW champion. Christian, lost, I Christian the was ECW champion. Show. Ezekiel Jackson beat him on the last show. to be Like, what the... <laughs> What was the point in that? I think yeah, that's how it went down. I think so. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. But yeah, NXT and WrestleMania, I suppose you can say Unstake have been beaten and Daniel Bryan, was, that's my top three of the year. But even then, it's like you've managed to remind me of one of them. So that's why I can't do the top three things review of the year for the Milk and It podcast, really.
may I may not have seen many good matches last year, but last night I did see what I will cons- which I have doubt will be beaten by December, and that was the main event of Wrestle Kingdom Nine, um, Tanahashi versus Okada. God, I hope I got those names right. Um, with commentary by Jim Ross and Matt Stryker, and the match was everything a main event match should have been. Even though I don't know the wrestlers, um, the way they built up the characters uh, beforehand, Matt Stryker and Jim Ross, the way they built up um, the two guys, and then the actual match itself, I wasn't rooting for either of them. I, I, just, I just thought it was such a great match, and it was definitely the best match of the night. And AJ Styles, <clears throat> I'll probably sound like a bitch now, especially because I used to, because we used to wrestle, we probably sound bitter. I don't rate AJ Styles at all. Probably a really nice guy, but I thought his match was really boring. The opening match was okay because I like the Forever Hooligans. I think they're a great tag team. I don't get the Young Bucks. I don't get their popularity. I don't get the multiple super kick thing. Why would anyone want to see that many super kicks? Um, the uh, Minoru, T- Minoru Tanaka versus uh, Sakabura, Sakuraba. I love Sakuraba. Uh, the guy's crazy. <laughs> and um, that was really interesting because from an outsider's perspective, that was like two legend. That was like Hogan Flair, like for us, basically, but, in M- but for MMA fans, um, two of the hardest, you know, MMA fighters slash wrestlers of all time. And, and I, I thought that was cool. Some of the matches were really confusing and short, like the uh, Pro Wrestling Noah versus New Japan one. Um, but overall, it was a really good show, and it just showed me how far we've come from indie wrestling to, you know, away from that kind of thing. Because I really was expecting to just see an indie style flip fest, and I didn't get that. I got stories and, and stiff, stiff um, lariats and um, fucking out. More clotheslines than a clothesline factory. So, yeah, I thought Wrestle Kingdom 9 was cracking. I know you saw it. Not with me. Yeah, I've um, kind of got going to you on that one. The first match, the tag one. Yeah. Not talking about the dark matches, the one with the Young Bucks and the was it Red Dragon and that team was on about uh, Forever Hooligans. Forever Hooligans, Young Bucks. Time Splitters. Time Splitters. That one great was, name, yes. great game. But... Um, yeah, like, yeah, that one was just... That was the easy. first match where the, where a wrestler had my hair cut because um, <laughs> Alex Shelley's partner are you, <laughs> had the same haircut as me. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that match just had indie written all over it. It was just move, move, move. Tag team combination move. I didn't know who was in the ring or what was going on. I know where I'm like really traditional in terms of you have two people in the ring and they're, they're telling a certain thing they isolate one person and they beat on that person I don't know if that's my mindset and it's just what I like but this one was just move 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 people getting in and out of the ring and then someone's taking a big finish but five five seconds later they're back up doing a moonsault it's like I don't know there was but a yeah, match that... um, the AJ Styles match versus, uh, versus the guy who used to be in Chikara and all that stuff like uh, sh- Ah, oh, excuse me, I cannot remember his name. He finishes with the twisting fork. Tetsuya Naito. Sorry? Tetsuya Naito. No, no, no. He, um... No, was that the one? Oh, I can't remember his name. He had a really... 
indie indie five match of El Generico, which everyone was sharing the finish. It was just move, move, move. Um, um, he did one moonsault in the match to the outside, and it was it was a crisp, perfect moonsault. That's all you need. I don't want to see any more than that. <laughs> Even Tom Hanks couldn't do a moonsault like that. <laughs> Tom Hanks can't do a moonsault. Oh yeah, shit. <laughs> Yet he's won many Oscars. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, the first match kind of set me up for disappointment really because I'd, I'd seen so much on my news feed about it from Twitter and Facebook. It's like people raving about it. Watch the first match. is like, oh, this is going to be the entire show. Uh, next match on was Jeff Jarrett and the whatever that was. Not too big on that one. An eight-man tag match. And yeah, they, they were short. The team Noah. They were short. The Noah one was really short, and the one and the, the one with Jarrett was short as well. It's, I don't know what's happened to Noah because I, I remember when. No, Misawa, Kabashi, Akiyama. You know what happened to Noah, don't you? All on tap. You know what, happened, just the, you know what happened to Noah, don't you? Misawa died well, and Kabashi retired. Yeah, and Akiyama went as well. And it's just a mess. So when they come out, it's like, really? That's Team Noah? <laughs> Jesus. Um, I, used to like, I used to really like Takiyama. And, um, <laughs> God, for our regular yeah, tits then, listeners, this is probably just us sprouting off weird Japanese names. But honestly, these guys are... Fantastic athletes, fantastic entertainers, but whatever happened to Noah, it was great, and he's just not anymore. Yeah. Uh, match off that was a Sakuraba one. That was good fun. Uh, anything for a belt, pretty much it was a singles match. That, that Neverweight match was fucking brutal. <laughs> I really enjoyed that as well. What is not to like about two giants beating the fuck out of each other? Yeah. Well, say giant, he's like five foot five. Wide? He's built like a potato, but it's like <laughs> a very angry potato. <laughs> so anything with a ta- uh, singles belt attached was fine. Anything I'm sorry, else and yeah, this, the fucking Intercontinental yeah. match as well. And again, I apologise, I cannot remember the gentleman's name, but that and was Nakamura a really good match Ibushi. as well. Yeah, uh, Nakamura and Ibushi, that one was the match of night for me. I've got my matches confused. Ibushi, that was the guy who did the fucking sick moonsault. I don't know why I thought it was the AJ Styles match. Yeah, the, t- the main event... And the one before the main event were like the matches of the night. Everything else was kind of, eh. Apparently so, they yeah. had, <clears throat> apparently they toned down the usual weirdness. I, I don't follow New Japan, unfortunately, but <clears throat> apparently like some of it can get really weird, but they toned it down completely and made it purely about wrestling last night. Yeah, um, I'd say. Last night, Saturday when it was on. It's the first Japanese wrestling I've seen since last year. I think the Wrestle Kingdom 8 was the last wrestling show I actually watched. And I think it was improved by the fact they had English commentators. Yes, Jim Ross um, did not, and for and Matt Stryker did ask one, but Jim Ross did not say Lariato. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were points in that where it was quite cringeworthy with Jim Ross, where he's just quoting, "Oh, he looks like Randy Orton now." It's like, oh. yeah, I was about to say, he sh- a lot of- here's a man you're familiar with, it's Shelton Benjamin, like give it, give it a rest, Jim. You're fantastic. There was a are. lot of that, and there was a uh, he called a. They called the Frankie's diner, didn't they? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to get some heat for that. And Matt Shrug's like, we're going to get heat anyway. Don't worry. I mean, if you're not into wrestling, then this podcast is probably enough not for you. Apologies about that. It's been a weird one. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it has been a weird time. It is a new season. 
there are some wrestling yeah. related movies that we've hit you with before so if you're still with us we thank you yeah uh, but yeah the English commentary I think will appeal to more people because there's stories I didn't know anything about they kind of built them up better than you, you get in if you watch it in Japanese commentary it's like I've no idea what's going on I don't know who these people are and they're building up like it's you can understand it pretty much. Simply because it's in the, you, the language you can understand. It's like, oh, this person does this and he's this and his motivation is this. I must admit, yeah. secretly, I was looking forward to hearing Jim Ross say <clears throat> some of the Japanese names in his Oklahoma voice. Nakamura. <laughs> Jinjai Kanzaku. <laughs> but yeah, if you're you know, into the American wrestling, it's worth checking out. If you get the Jim Ross commentary on it, it Makes a lot more sense. So that was episode 40, the uh, 2014 review show, if you will. Myself, Jay, Dino, and Boo coming together in a roundabout way um, to deliver what was our favourite bits of last year. I realise we're pushing an hour, so I'm going to get through this as quick as I can. The next two episodes are very, very important. They are Royal Rumble episodes. We have a prediction show coming next week. We also have a results show coming the week after, and both of which will feature this guy. That's our big announcement, kids. Joining myself and Boo and possibly Dino uh, is Scroobius Pip, the podcaster behind the Distraction Pieces podcast. It's up there at the top of iTunes. Can you imagine the top of iTunes? Uh, He will be joining us. He is going to be chatting away and we will be talking about wrestling. We'll be nerding ourselves right up because trust me, the guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to professional wrestling. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to geek culture and uh, we cannot wait to chit chat to him so please join us as always thank you very much to John Sands for the music thank you to Dino for the artwork thank you to Jay for his drop-ins and contributions because he did his homework Dino did not I've been David Davis and this was the Milking It Podcast episode 40 join us with Scroobius Pip next time it's the Milking It Podcast you got the feeling that you're milking it you got the honey for the boys You wanna milk it, you know You gotta milk it and you know <laughs> He said he didn't put that in So, do, do we have stuff to discuss for general geek news? That's lovely. However, Sorry. the question I asked was... <laughs> do you mean you're not accepting them? Uh, uh, right, where are we? <laughs>